about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshuba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with Him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. testimony however I would like I want to just make sure everyone is seated properly and this is a great testimony and we'll bless you and we're going to another aspect of the service oh now I'm going to just read exactly what this the writer put in here because it's a blessing. Then it will allow us to propel us to pray. We know we're in this month of prayer and in this season of prayer. So I'm believing God that you will follow as we continue to move forward with this. It says, Pastor has been calling us to write with our testimonies. I've been debating whether I should for a while. This is because in my eyes, a testimony. This is a brilliant writer, to be honest with you. It says, this is because in my eyes, a testimony seems final and implies that the story is over. The chapter has closed and the job is done. But in my case, my testimony is truly the beginning. So for me, this story is part of the beginning. The testimony of my new and improved life with Christ to date. And I pray that my testimony will be ongoing and will be an inspiration and an illustration to others. First of all, this is what I said, first of all, I want to thank God for the person that brought me to WT at the right time, which means it's great for you to bring people into the household of God. It is a blessing to them. He says, maybe she, uh, may, may she continually be blessed as I, as I receive by grace and blessing. I thank God for Pastor Femi for investing time and loving me and Pastor Ty for being a strong, consistent and faithful leader to us all. I also thank Insignia for worship culture. Such a powerful album. I was ministering to some young ones yesterday and someone walked up to me and says, that album has been on her repeat every single time. It's just, it's just, there's just something that that album just does for her. And I was so blessed when she said that. I said also to the many faces and personalities that contribute to making Worship Tabernacle a formidable force for the heavenly kingdom. It is here that my testimony and work with Christ begins. I joined Worship Tabernacle at the end of my marriage as an unbeliever. I embarked on that scripture and I decided to let go and brace for the battle ahead. Listen to me. She said, I was so drained I couldn't pray. I had no strength to fight. I just allowed life to happen to me. It rained, it poured, and I got swept into a sea of confusion and denial. It is only now when I look back that I see that God brought me through a flood and a storm and left me on the shores of worship tabernacle to resuscitate me and prepare me for greatness. After my first service, I felt right at home. 
and I thank God for my husband. And I thank, sorry, and I thank God for taking away my husband. In fact, I thought he had even brought me to the church to find a new husband. And so, I opened my heart and one eye. And I continued to pray for peace and direction. I fully immersed myself in sermons and Wednesday services. I attended all church functions and really found joy in paying my tithes. I met with Pastor Femi for counseling and didn't feel judged or uncomfortable. She was understanding, honest, and relatable. She supported me with prayers and encouragement. With her support paired with Pastor Ty's fire-filled sermons, Jesus have mercy, I felt that I was on the route to victory. I experienced a peace beyond all understanding. I came with fire. She came with being understandable and relatable. Like Job, I had quickly lost everything that I had worked so hard for. My marriage, my promotion opportunity, and because I no longer had my husband's financial support, my finances were becoming a mess. My prayer at that point was, God, just get me through this and drop me off where you want me to start again. I had given up and I was defeated. The first year, I established a new relationship with God and truly felt that his will was being done in my life. Every sermon week on week was for me. I rested in God and doors opened in my professional life and social life. My prayers had gone from exhaustion to gratitude and admiration for God's grace. My second year in worship tabernacle was the year of reconciliation. What, what year was that, Howard? Second year. This is important. Her second year was the year of reconciliation. This played through into my own life. God had written the script. All I had to do was turn up for the show and stay faithful. So I did. I had to let go of my husband and I was moving on with my life. I had a promotion into a job that I was not qualified for. I had been recommended for the role and was asked to interview. I later found out that they had already decided to give me the role by the time I had walked out of the office or out of the room. God is great. I used to go into work and somehow produce reports and forecasts for management that I didn't understand. I received regular praise and recognition for it. I had somehow developed a reputation around the company for being amazing at my job and became popular with senior members of the company whom we were way above my pay, who were way above my pay grade. People would ask me how I knew so many senior people and I would say, I don't know, they just all know me. My finances were in order. I had some decent savings and cleared the credit card. I was able to consciously avoid and eliminate petty, um, petty conflicts and drama. My life was so peaceful and purposeful, it was like walking on air. All things were working for my good. In fact, that became the soundtrack in my life. God really loved me. And the prayer and the fasting through January really showed me that I, what I was made of and how much of God had been missing in my life. If someone doesn't put on 
this AC. They're going to come and... It's not, can they put on the vent then? It's on. I can't feel anything. And I know the difference here. It might... No, my papers aren't moving. This is eight years since we've been here, isn't it? My papers ain't moving. Put it on. I, I don't want to faint here. I don't want people to be praying because you didn't put on the AC. Sorry, George. I know pastor's supposed to be very dignified. I'm not going to die for anyone. Push, put the thing on before I start. Just be dignified. You know? yeah, there's pastor. Sometimes, you know, they're recording. I care less what you're doing. My papers ain't moving. Put the vent on. Ah. You know, I was there, I was looking up. You know, there's a signal they told me to give them. They just ignored me. <laughs> you have like a, you know, like this, and like this. I'm still reading. And they ignored me. Jesus. And then the pastor will faint. He say, ah, pastor. And then you'll be giving focus. Are you all right? He's like, let's pray for pastor. There's nothing wrong with the pastor. It's just the ushers or the poor just didn't help him. Put it on. I ha- now I can feel something. Put it on. Put it on. Keep going. Keep going. My final, where was I? My finances were in order and I had some Decent savings and clear the credit card. Aha. 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 It's getting there. We're about to get there now. My life was so peaceful and purposeful. It was like, it was like walking on air. All things were working for my good. In fact, that became my soundtrack. I think I've done that. God really loved me. And the prayer and fasting through January really showed me what I was made of. And how much of God had been missing from my life. I had reconciled my career, my finances, my social relationships. And then I ended the year with beginning to reconcile with my husband. It was unexplainable. I actually thought it was a joke. I was like, God, seriously? I'm living, I love this. I'm living my best life and this fool comes back begging. I didn't know if it was favor or a fluke. I actually had to stop and laugh at my life. I laughed till I got confused. I saw personal guidance for Pastor Femi and this all coincided with Pastor Ty's teaching on forgiveness. God times that with precision and I couldn't ignore the tugging at my heart. I was able to use their wisdom to rebuild my relationship. My husband even began seeking a relationship with God. I believe that WT, has, WT really has shaped my life and instilled in me an awareness of God's expectation and greater plan for my life. WT has inspired me to rewrite my dreams and put God first. And as I seek God at each step, my dreams are being fulfilled. The dreams I saw for myself and the dreams I could never imagine. 
I believe that the strength of the church, the leadership, and the family atmosphere breeds and encourages success. WT is a breeding ground for winners. And even when I'm not at church, I still feel connected and part of the family. I must also take time to thank Minister Effet for standing in on occasions. He has also kept the WT momentum going and has helped refuel my tank on a few Sundays. My final thanks will be to all the strong and beautiful women in the church. I thank them for sharing their stories during ladies' events. So when we say ladies, you should come out, you should come out. You'll be blessed. Ladies' events and having a strong and welcoming presence throughout the church week in, week out. Thank you, WT. God really does reside here. As I said, this is not the end. It is only the beginning. My goal now is to stay faithful and obedient enough to experience the plans God has for me and the people in my life. Wasn't that a beautiful testimony? With that, and I'm going to piggyback on that, I want us to turn to the book of Psalms chapter 37 and verse 7. Psalms 37 and verse 7. My message this morning is going the distance. Somebody say, Pastor, you forgot, we didn't pray. No, we'll pray later. I want some, some people to meet, to have come to church and have just said, ah, have you finished the sermon? Yes. Psalm 37 verse 7. He says, be still in the presence of the Lord. Be still in the presence of the Lord. Tap someone beside you and say, be still in the presence of the Lord. No, no, no. Tap, 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 tap someone else and say to them, be still in the presence of God. Which means shut off your WhatsApp and your, and, and, and your Instagram and your stuff right now because God wants you to be still. Turn to someone behind you and say, be still in the presence of God. You know how some people do? They just did this. Uh, be still. They're not looking at anyone. They, they, there's absolutely no eye contact. The eye contact they're having is the wall. Uh, be still. Pastor said we should say be still. Okay, be still. Turn to someone and say be still. In the presence of God. He says, be still in the presence of God and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Don't worry. Don't worry about evil people. He says, be still in the presence of God. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36 says, for ye have need of patience. Talk to someone and say, you need to be patient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says, for you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. After you have done the will of God, which means that you can do the will of God and not receive the promise. Because for you to receive the promise, 
you must be able to be patient. He says, so you can receive the, that you may receive the promise of God. I know we've started to fast, we've started last week and we're in a place of fasting. But most of the time, we've got to start to recognize that God wants us to place a stake in the ground. So much that we do not truncate our destiny based on our impatience. God says, if you're going to last the distance, there are some certain principles and policies, some principles and processes that we need to go through so that we're able to know that God is leading us in the right direction. We need to realize that if God is going to fulfill destiny and if we are going to reach the place where God wants us to go to, we must be able to stick to the promises and the principles that God has spoken to us. We're talking about discouragement. We're talking about encouragement. We, we also have to realize that there is a place in God that we need to go to for God to be able to fulfill his desires and his will and his promises for us. And we, we've said this, that if, if from the testimony of this lady, we found out that this was not a quick thing. Are you following what I'm saying? It wasn't quick. Many people just like things to be quick. It wasn't quick. In, in her mentioning it, you could find out that she mentioned the second year, which was the year of reconciliation. That means she's now in her third year, which is the year of rising. But many people just feel that when I pray, when I do this, it must happen right now. Many people, got, many people have gathered a lot of extra weight over the years and then they feel that a simple pill will, 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 will sort the thing out. Or they start exercising and when they exercise, yes, your joints, your knees will be painful. Yes! And then you will get onto the scale. Nothing seems to have shifted. But you know what? It's not a quick thing. Sometimes we have to change our exercise. Change our eating. Change our diet. And things take a while for it to get there. But the, the testimony of this lady showed the principles that has been taught to her for her to go the distance. We talked about the place of prayer. She stayed in the place of prayer. We talked about the practice of devotion. She said every single time I was in church listening to the sermons. I was in church listening to other women. I stayed in that place for God to move on my behalf. Yet you find people who pick and choose when they come to church based on their emotions. They pick and choose when I can get online. This morning, I don't feel like praying. Do we always have to do 6 a.m. and then they shut off? Where else? It is at that point that what they're looking for is coming to them. It is the place of prayer and the practice of devotion. Another thing I, I, I want to teach about this, this afternoon is what I call the thought P. I call it the pasture of patience the pasture it is a place where you grow patience 
The Bible says in Psalm 23, He laid me down, not walk. He what? Laid me down, not standing up or being agitated. He says, He maketh, God maketh me to lie down. There is a place and a time where you have to lie down in green pastures. Lie down. Where, where you're not agitated and you're not moving. Some of us are always on the move. I call it the pasture of patience. The principal part of faith is patience. The principal part of faith is patience. Patience is the producer of all great rewards. Patience means that you have a quiet confidence in the quality of your seed. Whatever seed you have, gifting you have, life you have, patience means I am going to be confident that I would receive a reward. It's a quiet confidence. Patience means it's bearing pains and trials calmly without complaint. It is when a person is not hasty, is not impetuous, when they're not, when they're steadfast, despite oppositions, when they're able to face adversity and difficulty lying down in green pastures. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 32 quickly says, it is better to be patient than powerful. Tap someone say, it's better to be patient. Than powerful. <laughs> he said, it is better to win control over yourself than over whole cities. So, what, what, what he was saying there was, it is, it is better for you to be patient than powerful. Because you can be powerful, but yet destructive. Let's take, for example, Samson. Samson was powerful. Samson was mighty powerful. But yet, he wasn't patient. And because he wasn't patient, he failed in his assignment. There, 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 are, there, there are many people who are powerful. And when we talk about powerful, we traject into a place where we think it is about money, it is about gifting, it's about when everybody sees me. No. It is the little gifts that you have that actually authenticate you. My house, my beauty, my car, my giftings, my writing, those simple, those little things make it feel that we have arrived. That, that, little, that little blessing God gave you, that little job he gave you, and of course it's paying you quite a good and handsome amount of money and then you feel powerful. But you can destroy yourself because you are not disciplined enough to recognize that when trials start in the place of your power, you need patience. Because Samson was powerful. He failed. Let's take for example, Moses. Powerful man. Powerful man. Hollywood have tried to depict Moses in a film. And they have failed gallantly. They, 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 they can't find yet any animation 
to be able to show the, the, the magnanimity of this great man. A man who could divide the Red Sea. A man who could cause quails to come from heaven. A man who could take a million people and their shoes never abated. Their clothes was never worn out. A man who could single-handedly feed a thousand people with cattle. A man that can bring water out of the rock. A man that when they stood in opposition of him, the ground opened its mouth. There was an immediate earthquake and they were all, they, 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 were, they, 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 they were, they all perished and the ground came back together as if nothing happened. Such a powerful man that can go into the mountain for, for 40 days and come back and nothing has changed. And yet, that man didn't make it. Moses, I'm not talking about you. Uh, I, I, I've got you, bro. Uh, I, I, I'm just trying to help the people. I hope you will support me. I'm, I, I'm not blaming you at all. Because, Moses, I'm pastor. And I know how frustrated you are. I'm pastor, I'm pastor, I'm pastor. I'm pastor. Oh, they, they, people killed you. I know how frustrated. Even this, this, this afternoon, I know how frustrated. They said they put on the AC and nothing was blowing. I can feel you, Moses. I can feel you. I can feel you. And you, 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 you are here to make sure the AC is here. You were here when they were building this place. You project managed it. You hardly slept at home. And then you are not the beneficiary of what you have to... I can understand you, Moses. I understand Moses. You teach people. You help people. You're there for people. Yet they still throw it in your face. Yet they still don't do what you told them to do. And then when it goes worse, it comes back to your doorstep. He will feel frustrated. But you know what? He forgot that the covenant was with Israel, not only with him. And even though he pleaded on behalf of Israel, God still said, you, your impatience against me by them still would not warrant you going into that Canaan land. And let me encourage you. So, people can make you to sin. And your impatience because of what they did may destroy your destiny. And they may walk into that Canaan land. Are you following what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of a, I, I remember a story long time ago before medicine evolved. A, a man who walked into, seeing his, walked into the home, met his wife in, 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 in adultery, spoke to her, walked out, just found any harlot, any person he could find, slept with the person and then had AIDS. In that moment of impatience. Now, what he did was a revenge move. But at the end of the day, science had not developed enough to be able to produce drugs that could lend him the life. He suffered and he died. And he had what was called critical and life insurance. And the woman who made him do that inherited millions of dollars of that man. And that man died. Because of impatience. 
So God is saying to us, people may push you. Don't let people push you to the extent that you will miss God or miss your destiny because of impatience. Because you can be powerful but yet impatient. Talk about Saul. Saul was powerful but impatient. But I can understand Saul. Because think about Saul. Saul had an army and the army was leaving him. I can feel him as a pastor. You're praying, you're believing God. You're working hard. But people are leaving the church. And you're asking God, what am I doing wrong? God says, stay there. Keep doing what you're doing. But the following Sunday, the, the congregation goes down. The following Sunday, the congregation, you have not fornicated. You have not committed adultery. You have not embezzled the money. You're just a simple, prayerful pastor. And people are leaving. And people are leaving you to go to the church down the road. And then after a while, you just think, oh, maybe... And the pastors are so good to me like that. Maybe I should switch. So instead of preaching for 45 minutes, maybe I should do Joel Austin. Preach for 25 minutes. And so the following Sunday, everyone comes in. You quickly throw a 25-minute sermon. And then you leave. And everyone says, oh, pastor, that was quick and fine. That was quick and nice. And the following Sunday, boom, half of the congregation came. And then you say, ah, maybe this is not working. Because that pastor down the road, he preaches with so much energy. Let me do a T.D. Jakes. Ah, ah, or a Noel Jones. And then the following Sunday, you come into church. And you tell the, the instrumentalist, get ready. Especially the keyboard. Make sure you put, it, you put it on organ. I want organ. Now, pastor, we don't have organ on the key. Go and buy it. Go and buy a, what do they use? Hammond, isn't it? Go and buy a Hammond. Now we want a Hammond. And put the Hammond right here. Here. And so when I say, yeah, I want to get... Mm. Why you, can you put her on, please? Oi! Upstairs. Put her on. And so you tell her, next one, it goes, when you say, yeah, it goes, yeah. Well, ha. When you say, ha. He goes, ah, he says, ah, God is good. And he's enjoying forever. Someone shout, yeah, take me a little bit higher. And then you, the, you get into the office. And then the following Sunday, Half of the half come. Half. This is what was read. Just read First Samuel 18, and you will see half of the half come. You think this is not working? Okay, next Sunday, everyone come with a bottle of water. I want to pray over the bottle of water, and then the following Sunday, I want you all to come with honey, just honey, pure honey, and you're laughing. You will all buy it. I got, by the time I put a Holy Spirit twist on it, he will come. And then the following Sunday, all those are enemies that come against you, that come like pepper in your life. When you're coming, bring pepper. Bring spice. And then we'll pray. And then I say, when you get outside, when you get to your house, Sprinkle it in front of the door. I promise you. You even will go and say, there's deliverance today. 
you better follow me because God wants to pepper those who pepper you. <laughs> Forgive me for the... <laughs> Next week is honey. God wants to bring honey into your life. Oh, and then the last day of the fast, come with salt. Salt. Mm. Salt. God wants to bring salt into your life. But God's first promise is God told the pastor, stay what you're doing. Keep what you're doing. But after a while, he had to shift because people were leaving. Powerful, but impatient. And he lost God because God wasn't interested in those who were leaving than him who is staying in God's presence. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying? So God wants us to dig deep. When you dig in and you dig deep, it becomes a strength and a habit that will allow you to stay the course. Many people are getting into relationships that are not godly because they're impatient. The lady who wrote the email, just imagine, she said, and she did say, I came to church, closed one eye, opened one eye, I came to look for a husband. But that's what she wanted to do. But when she stayed in the place of prayer, when she practiced devotion, God started to massage her heart over the years to say to her, my ultimate will is not for you to leave the man. My ultimate will is for you to dig deep in me so that when the man comes back, there is enough that has changed in you to change a lifetime. It's called the pasture of patience. And many of us don't want to dig deep. Because it is in the challenge that we discover who we are and what we're made of. Many of us, we are so impatient. And there are two things impatience produces. It breeds immaturity. Do you realize that even the children we're raising right now, they're not matured enough to handle adversity. Anything they want right now, we give them. In fact, even before they reach a certain age, they hit 18, they hit 19, we buy a car for them. I will do likewise. Let me, let me listen. I, 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 I will do likewise. I only have one, so God help me and help me and help me. But, 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 but we buy it to them. So they grow up having that thing already for them. But now they walk into a job and people don't celebrate them the way the parents celebrate them. They, say, they, they don't like them the way they think everybody should like them. And have you seen how many of our children leave a job because someone is against them? Because of racism. They call it institutional. Did I not say they may be there? They may not be there. Well, sometimes, because someone doesn't like the level of your work, doesn't mean they're racist. And each time, God provided that job for you, but you can't stay in that job because you always want things to happen quickly. You're immature. Oh, God. As I left church, as we finished the first service, this lady walked up to me. For two years or three years, can't remember how many years, she has walked under this bus at a school. The, the man literally killed her. She was his peer. She applied for 
Every job. I know because we prayed together. We prayed together. I did deliverance for her in this place. And all I could just get is just wait. God is going to move. God is going to move. First year, second year, third year. God is going to move. God is going to move. The man was a principality. Nobody could move him. After the first service today, she walked up to me. She said, Pastor, I've got good news for you. I said, what? He says, I have to call the police to come and arrest him in the office. They told me to call the police. I went to meet the police, brought the police to his office, and they escorted him out of the establishment. Suspended him, and he can never come back. Now, they have promoted me. Now, I am an executive PA. Don't say, wow. Learn to wait. But if it was some of us, we would resign even without getting a job. Because impatience breeds immaturity. Are you pursuing a relationship? Give it time. Are you building a great business? Invest carefully in planning. Do you want a dream home? Take time to gather the information. Give it time. Many of us get into a relationship, we don't give it time. The, the quality of your planning, the quality of your planning will determine the rate of your accomplishment. Every vision stands to be aborted. Every dream stands to be aborted if planning is not employed. Don't make a temporary choice that will have a negative long-term impact on you or your family. You've got to learn to put the stakes in the ground and say to yourself, this is non-negotiable in my life. Sometimes we tend to compromise on something we think won't be that big of a deal. It won't be that big of a deal. Move your car immediately. It won't be a big deal. I can do this. and It won't be a big deal. God will forgive me. No. Realize something. When you don't wait for God, it produces a disaster. Galatians. Let's look at Galatians chapter 4.23. Let's quickly look at that. He says, The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt. Did you see that? In a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. Did you see that? He says, the son of the slave wife. He's talking about Abraham, Haggai, and Sarah. So, the son of Haggai was born in an attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. Say to me. Haggai, 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 whoever that name is and to whoever it belongs, uh, created an attempt to help God. So, listen to this woman. Listen to this. Listen to Abraham. Abraham goes to Sarah. Sarah says, yes, God said he will give us a child, but maybe God is too slow. Let's help God. So, we tried to help God and we created an Ishmael. And then they had a baby dedication. And everybody was rejoicing. And God was like, that's not my promise. Read further on. He says, but the son of the freeborn wife 
was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. I wish it had stopped there. But let's look at verse 29. He says, But you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law. Just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. What does that mean? It means in essence that anything that you create by your human effort will always fight against the promise of God. And sometimes, God doesn't take away the Ishmael. Okay. Let me give you a a, a common example. You went into financial disaster. Move your car quickly. You went into financial disaster. You, you, you spent money. You used the credit card. You used your credit card to buy a car you shouldn't buy. You now went to buy, uh, the car had an accident. You now went on a higher purchase. You went to get that. You go every single weekend, you go out, you blow the money. You're over credit, over, over everything in your account, and things are bad. And God is telling you, this is not the right way. And then you now come to God, you pray to God, and God has hired your prayer. But God is not going to remove it. God is going to tell you to receive the promise to be fruitful, to get rid of it. However, your bad credit will always fight the promise. And the church went quiet. Let me put these flowers back so that everyone can digest that. The church went quiet. So, you go and apply for a mortgage and your previous bad credit appears. It doesn't mean that you will not get the house. But it means that the Ishmael is fighting against your Isaac. And if you're not patient enough, you would eliminate your Ishmael, and Ishmael is going nowhere. And this is what many people do. Oh, I can't get the house because I can't get any credit. You left too soon because Ishmael will continue to fight against the promise of God. And God is saying, can you see this example? Because up till now, Ishmael is still fighting. The Ishmaelites are fighting against the Israelites. And God is saying, I don't want you to fall into that same problem. So when God gives you a promise, wait for it. Because if you don't wait for it, it creates immaturity. And number two, impatience, it breeds mistakes. It breeds, breeds mistakes. When you hurry, you increase the mistakes you make. The good news version of Proverbs chapter 19 verse 2 says, Impatience will get you into trouble. Allowing circumstances to hurry you can create a lifetime of headache. You get into a relationship, I want to marry now. You never spend time developing the relationship before you tie the knot. You never spend time asking for advice before you get into something. Listen to me. I I was watching a program on, on yesterday. My wife and I were watching the program. It's, it's on BT Sports. It's a documentary. I love documentaries. And the documentary, the, the title is Broke. The title was Broke. And it spoke about all the NFL players 
all the basketball players. He spoke about Mike Tyson. He, spoke, he was just talking about athletes that had a lot of money, but in the space of three years, they were broke. 79% of athletes go broke in three years. 79%. And they talk, spoke about uh, scrupulous agents. They spoke about, forgive me, please. This is what they said. Go and check it. This is not personal. They spoke about women. They said there were the women junkies that they have a, 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 an app. So whenever these footballers or this player goes, there's an app that goes out that they're in this place. And all these women want to do was to sleep with them, have a baby, and then sue them for what? For, for child support. And many of them, after three years, they fall into bad debt. Because one had nine children for nine different women. One guy said that what we used to learn is what is called rain. It's called rain. Don't look at me. Where some of your parents come from, they do likewise. But this place, they will walk into a pub or into a strip club and then they will start raining money. It means they'll take words and, and just throw it up. You understand? And some of where some of you come from, the foolishness they do is someone is dancing. You don't know them from Adam. You don't know where they come from. They care less about you. And then you now take some, some of them are so stupid that they now take dollars. You understand? In fact, I hate it. Don't spray me with one, one dollar. If you're going to, if you want to show off, go higher. And they say, yes, sir. I remember I saw one guy, he had bundles. Slap, 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 slap. Foolishness. It's called raining. Immaturity. You got the money too quick. Maybe it's from your parents. And the guy said, the only problem was, when I was 19, they gave me a Lamborghini. Just for signing on. They gave one guy a 500,000 check at 19. 500,000 dollars check. When you're impatient, you will make mistakes. The guy, after three months, they checked and they found out they hadn't cashed it. Ha! Huh? They now called the guy like, have you not cashed the check? He says, no. So where it is? I put it in a frame and I put it in my room. He had no idea what to do with it. He just kept looking at the 500,000 and they said, you're supposed to cash it. I'm not sure if it's him or someone else. He now went to the bank and he said, he said it. He says, they were laughing at me. I didn't understand why they were laughing. He cashed it. Mean cash. He got the cash. He went into his room and he threw it on the bed and he lied on it. And he says, in th- my, 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 my playing career only lasted three years. And after three years, they stopped paying me. And everything was gone. He says, I was driving one time. And at the back of my car, I bought some jewelries for $50,000. And one guy sitting at the back wrote a check of $250,000 on jewelry. Don't say, ah, when you look at the money, ah, that's bad. But that's the same thing some of us are doing. We're immature when God gives us the blessing. The children of Israel were immature when they stepped into the land. And we start to make mistakes and we hurry. We hurry. It's kind of many of us. Uh, like, uh, uh, that we all, we're always in a hurry. 
We're always in a hurry. In fact, the, the, the bus driver knows you by name. You're always rushing. Stop! Wait, wait for me! Wait for me! And the bus driver will say, good morning. Good morning, Alice. They know you. If, I, if he doesn't see you running in the morning, something is wrong. One guy was taking me to the airport and we were talking about, I was saying, I hope we're not running it. I hope we, he, says, he says, no, we'll get there, we'll get there. He says, right now, I don't fear missing my flight because I've missed many flights. I said, I have no fear of missing my flights because I never miss a flight. You know, some people, they're so much in a hurry that they get to the airport. You're dropping them and they're asking you, where's my passport? You that dropped them. Because they started parking that morning. You know, the worst thing I hate is taking someone to the airport or being in the airport and then seeing people opening their suitcase. And start. It's hurry. Because you know what you did? You, you packed the whole thing. You, you were supposed to travel at 5 p.m. At one o'clock, you were still in selfages. At selfages. And so you came home and you dumped everything in there and you carried it. Hey, it's not 23. It's not 23. <laughs> and when we hurry, we tend to make mistakes. Impatience. Abraham's impatience cost him a generational war. The reason why I'm sharing this with you and I'm going to close now is the fact that you can't keep praying and not have the power and character of patience. And as we walk into the second week, I want us to realize that your prayers are powerless when you don't have patience. Many people are powerful prayer warriors. You see them praying, you will fear. But the Bible says they can be powerful, but no patience. It, it, their, their prayers sound like a machine gun. There's a wedding my wife and I went to, and when they said we should start praying, I didn't feel that I was a Christian. He was serious. This is a wedding. We're supposed to join them together. And you know what happened? The microphone didn't work. The microphone didn't work. It didn't work because you didn't get there early to set up. And they said, let's start to pray. Mm, I feel that there is a demonic presence care to, to affect this wedding. So let's pray. And then I saw everyone go, mm, Let me put off my glasses. I'm serious. And then during the course of the wedding, they said, we want to invite Pastor Ty. I didn't feel like a pastor. I didn't even know what to say. Because while they were praying, I was like, God, help their foolishness. Give them wisdom. Give them understanding. No devil is here. The devil is somewhere else uh, in the Sahara Desert dealing with some other issues. He's not here. And so when I came up and they introduced me, they didn't clap because they all observed that we didn't pray. You can be powerful in prayer, but no patience to wait for the promise. When are we supposed to be patient? Three things that we close. One, when circumstances are uncontrollable. Take, for example, you get to the airport and there's a delay in your flight. Sit down and pray. Be patient. The Bible compared that to a, a, a farmer. The Bible says the farmer has to be patient. He said, have the patience of a farmer. Do you know what the farmer does? 
He can plant, he can water, he can harvest, he can cultivate, but a lot of things are out of his control. The weather, the soil, the rain, and the sun. He has to be patient. Number two, when people are unchangeable. <laughs> That's when to be patient. It's a fact of life. There are some people who are never going to change. Don't kill yourself. Stop being depressed by someone who won't change. There are some people who won't change. God will give you the grace to live with them. Pastor, should I divorce them? No, leave. How do you know? Because God even said to Paul, he says, I, I love what you've done. He says, but God, what about this infirmity? Three times have I asked you now. He, he, he's talking to God. He says, God, three times, three times, you know, three times, three times. Honey, I've told you three times, three times. I've warned you. The fourth time, it won't be funny. That's what he was saying to God. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. I am not moving it. That person is not going to die. That, they're not dying. They're not going anywhere. They're there to develop your patience. Uh, somebody says, I didn't want to be in church. No. As a parent, God wants you to be patient. Then number three, when problems are unexplainable. When problems are unexplainable. Three minutes. Sometimes, you're just not going to understand why things happen. The way they do. You're just not going to know why. The classic example of this is Job. Let's look at Job. Job. Job 5.11, uh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. James 5.11 says, you know, we called those blessed who were steadfast and endured difficult circumstances. You have heard of the patient endurance of Job. You have heard of the patient endurance of Job. And you have seen the Lord's outcome. How he richly blessed Job. The Lord is full of compassion and merciful. Job played in the Super Bowl of suffering. And he won the championship. He was the wealthiest man alive at that time. He had cattle. He had oxen. He had money. He had, he, he had investments. And in 48 hours, he lost everything. All of his kids were murdered. He went bankrupt. He had a terrible, painful disease and all his friends left him. The Bible says he had sores on his body. And recently, my dad was around. He came from Nigeria. And when I saw him, I knew something was wrong. And he says, I'm breaking out in balls. And I didn't think about it for a while. Then my mother calls me and says, that's really breaking out with balls. So I arranged to get him to the hospital. And I picked him up and took him to the, to the, to, to the clinic. And then they said he needs an immediate blood test. So I picked him up from there and then took him to a place where they were about to take his blood. But he was wearing clothes. So when they were about to take his blood, they said, can he take off his jacket and then pull up his shirt? And so he had to take off his jacket, but then he was wearing something warm. So he had to take it off a bit. And there were boils all over, you know, big, massive. In fact, while he was taking off his jacket... Those balls were breaking and blood was gushing out. I looked at him and tears were coming down my eyes. And immediately I thought about Job. The nurse stood there and her hands were like this. This is the phlebotomist. She was like, and I said, carry on with your job. 
because you're not telling me to come back. You know when they say come back? I've just sat here for one and a half hours. Carry on. And then she said, oh, we can't find any vein. I said, find the vein. I said, dad, have you taken anything? I went to quickly get a bottle of water. I said, drink. Today, they're taking your blood. And when I saw it, I said, wow. Is this, this is very small to what Job went through. Because the Bible says he, Job took stones and started to scratch himself. That was how bad it was. And in one night, Job went from hero to zero. He lost everything. And you know what? He lost everything except his wife. But you know what his wife said? His wife says, why don't you curse God and die? In essence, if you die, I can get the insurance, I can get the life insurance, or not, because there must be something wrong with you. Why don't you curse God and die? But you know the funny thing is, it's interesting that God took everything away from his life except his nagging wife. God didn't take that one away. The only thing that was left, the only asset Job had was a nagging wife. But the important thing was, the worst part of Job's circumstances was there for no apparent reason. Job had no, Job had no idea why this was happening to him. He doesn't make any sense. He says, why me? And for 37 chapters in the book of Job, God was absolutely silent. He didn't give him a hint of what was going on. God knows what was going on, but Job didn't. The point is this, as I close. When God is silent, I've got to have patience. I cannot explain it. I don't know why it is. But I've got to trust God. Just as Job trusts God. Patient means trusting God when I can't explain it. So there are things that are happening in your life that you have nothing to do with it. And you ask God and God is silent. God is saying, just be patient. And when you're patient, I will take you to your next level of greatness. Did you get anything from, from it? You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk Alternatively, call us on 020-7435-3939. You can find us at the Citadel, Worship Tabernacle, 131 St. John's Way, N19 3RQ, Archway, London. Thank you for listening.